Good morning. My name is Roxana Browning. I serve as a deacon in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not seek so much to be consoled as to console, to understand as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? The psalmist says, where can I go from your spirit and where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. Let us worship God. Compassion and forgiveness belong to the Lord our God. Though we have rebelled against him, let us then renounce our willfulness and seek his mercy by confessing our sins in penitence and returning to the Lord in faith. Almighty God, you poured your spirit upon gathered disciples, creating bold tongues, open ears, and a new community of faith. We confess that we hold back the force of your spirit. We do not listen to your words of grace. Speak the good news of your love, for we live as one faith in Christ. Have mercy on us, O God, and in our life by the power of your spirit and fulfill the flaming desire 
to be your help, doing your will for the sake of Jesus Christ our Lord. In his name we pray. This is the good news, the gospel, for all of us. Whatever we have done, whatever we have failed to do, whoever we are, whoever we wish we were but not, we are loved and forgiven. We are accepted, we are washed clean. We are raised up, we are welcomed. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. wonderful creed, living in faith by it, shall we share it together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, <clears throat> maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, <clears throat> born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's take a moment to greet one another in fellowship. Good morning. Good morning. 
And a blessed Pentecost to all of you. It's great to have you all here this morning. I see smatterings of red across our congregation. So grateful for your participation with us in that way. It is a big day in the life of the church, as always, when we get to celebrate the birth of the new community of Christ and the oncoming of the Holy Spirit and the power that God gives us to be uh, his people in the world. So we're grateful that you can be with us as we celebrate that together today. We uh, are empowered by God to be a community, so one way we do that is to have you find out who might be sitting near you by signing the friendship pads which are in the pews, and we invite you to do that and take note of those folks who are sitting near you. Maybe even venture out and say hello to them afterwards. Talk about Pentecost experience, huh? We uh, invite you to take note of all the many ways by which we are uh, at work in the community and the world as you thumb through our bulletin. We call to your attention a few things. Uh, in a week, a uh, week from tomorrow, we'll be beginning Vacation Bible School, and that's gonna be a big day, a big week in the life of our church, and you can still support us and help us out by volunteering, by signing up your children and grandchildren. If you have any um, questions about that, you can go under the tree, and I'm sure you can get your questions answered there. Or call the church office, and we'll be glad to help you out, take note of what's needed in your bulletin. Day of Hope is coming up on July the 22nd, and we're still in need of supplies and volunteers, and Dottie Tile will be glad to get uh, information from you as well if you're wanting to be participating in that, and uh, that is a great day in the life of our church. Next Sunday is our new members class, so you can come if you'd like to learn more about our life here at Church of the Palms, and perhaps whether this might be the spiritual community for you, come and join us next Sunday at 10.15 over in the chapel. Our uh, our Scottish pilgrims are getting ready to head off on their uh, trip in a couple of days. On Tuesday we leave, and so please keep us in your prayers. I'm wearing my tartan tie in celebration of that and Pentecost at the same time. If you want to follow along, go to our Facebook page, Church of the Palms Facebook page. Just go onto Facebook, put it in Church of the Palms, and you'll find us, and we'll be updating you as to uh, our journeys across Scotland and then finally down into England and Oxford and London. And of course, we want to keep in our prayers all of our friends in Great Britain as they have undergone, as you all well are aware, another terrorist attack, and we continue to hold our friends in our prayers as we pray for the God of peace to bring peace to his world. Glenn and Judy Armitage, are they here? Bay in the back, well that's where you should be because you're ushering. <laughs> but we know that this is your last, uh, you're retiring as captains of the ushering team and we wanna give you a thanks. Glenn back there, where's Judy? I don't see Judy. She's way in the back, okay. She's parking cars, okay. Um, <laughs> So give them a round of applause and say thank you, Glenn and Judy, for your, your good work. While we're in the clapping mode, I want to introduce to you, we uh, decided just recently to enter into an internship uh, uh, program with uh, Princeton Theological Seminary where we bring a seminarian uh, to work with us over the course of the summer and we are delighted to introduce to you Kevin Staunton who is here as his first Sunday. Give Kevin a big round of applause. 
You will be seeing lots of Kevin. He will be assisting us in a variety of our ministries, worship leadership and doing some teaching and working with our youth groups and going on mission trips and perhaps visiting in the hospital and such. So kind of learning a little bit about how church is done. And so we're glad that you're with us today, Kevin. And we look forward to working with you over the course of the next several weeks. Many of you noticed that we actually have a concrete slab out in the back 40. Uh, so that's a big milestone in the life of a building, uh, getting that foundation poured in that slab. So we're grateful we're making progress that way. We're grateful for your generosity that is continuing to allow that to happen and pray that you will continue to be keeping that in your thoughts and prayers as we continue to move forward to that day where we get to cut the ribbon and enter into our new Palms Center. So with all those things being said, let us continue our worship by the presentation of our tithes, gifts, and offerings. Rejoice, rejoice, give thanks and sing. Rejoice, give thanks and sing. Rejoice, 
us pray. God of wind and fire, may new life be breathed into the world because of these gifts we return to you. Grant us enhanced capacity to carry your revelation to others in ways that they can understand. We seek to be to one another channels of your love and peace, both in person and through the outreach of these offerings. Amen. You may be seated, and we'd like to invite the children to come forward. If you are visiting with us today, any kid from 4 to 11 can come up here, and then they'll go upstairs with Miss Carol for a great time in kids' worship. Have a good time upstairs. Nice coat. Thank I you. Like that. <laughs> you noticed. <laughs> come on up here. <laughs> oh. So does anybody notice anything about the church and what's going on in the church today? Come on, scooch in, guys. Come on, Kenny, Kenny right here. You can sit right here. here. What do you think? Cynthia. Most people, are red. Most people are wearing red. Like, look at me. What color is this? Why do you suppose so many people are wearing red, if you are paying attention? What do you think? Chinese New Year. Uh, mm. <laughs> Pentecost. Say that again. Pentecost. Pentecost. <laughs> right. We celebrate. Pentecost is a word that means we are celebrating the birth of the church. You know that? The birth of the church. Are you celebrating the birth of the church today? Because you have red on. Right. <laughs> so... Um, we're not just celebrating this church, we're celebrating all the churches. So I imagine there's probably a lot of people wearing red today. So, um, do you guys like my coat? Well, I wanted to tell you something. Pentecost, something really super extra special happened on Pentecost. But first, I want to ask you, do you guys like my coat? Yeah, okay, so I'm going to tell you about someone in the Bible that had a very special coat, like kind of like this one. Does anybody know who I'm talking about? Coat of many colors? Marin. Joseph. Joseph, right. Joseph loved God, and God blessed Joseph and gave him a special gift. He gave him the gift to be able to understand dreams. God kind of spoke to him with dreams. So Joseph had a lot of crazy stuff happen to him. Like, okay, so his dad gave him a, a really special coat like this, and it made his brothers crazy mad. So he had, Joseph had 11 brothers who really were super mean to him. In fact, they were so mean that they threw him into a pit, down deep into a pit. That's kind of mean, right? couldn't get out. Well, then they thought, hmm, what if somebody sees him down there? So they took him out of the pit, and then they sold him to be a slave. That's really mean. And then later, Joseph got thrown in jail, and it wasn't even his fault. All this bad stuff was happening to Joseph. But you know what? All through it, Joseph was able to forgive. Forgive all that stuff. Even his brothers. You know what? Joseph used the gift that God gave him to love and forgive. Well, remember when I told you that on the very first Pentecost, I might have told you that something really special happened? When Jesus ascended into heaven to be with God, he sent down a gift for us. 
That gift was the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit goes right into us so that we have God with us whenever we need God's help. So just like Joseph, Joseph had a gift that was from God. We too have a gift, a special gift from God called the Holy Spirit that lives right here so that when we have something that happens to us or something that happens in the world that we just can't let go, we can't forget or we can't forgive, we can call on our special gift to help us, to help us do that. So even when bad things happen and we can't forget about it and bad things might happen to us, and we just can't make sense of it and it doesn't make any sense, we can't let go, we can call on the Spirit within us to love and forgive. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you that you love us so much that you blessed us with the Spirit, the gift that lives within us, the Holy Spirit. Help us to love and forgive things that we can't do on our own. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, with all that in mind, let us hear the story of Pentecost as it comes to us from Acts chapter two. This great account brought to us by Luke, the gospel writer. Hear the word of God. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared among them and a tongue rested on each one of them and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem and at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans and how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and Visit from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, ah, oh, they're filled with new wine. Our second lesson is from the 12th chapter of Romans, in fact, the entire 12th chapter of Romans. One of these great chapters in the New Testament that challenge us to wonder about what does it really mean to live in the midst of the Holy Spirit? What does it really mean to live as a follower of Jesus? So hear these words from the Apostle Paul. I appeal to you therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, contribute to the deeds of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you, Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. And do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. And if it is possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals upon their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to this word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name, amen. At the beginning of this week, the baseball world spent probably too much time discussing, analyzing, and replaying over and over and over again an incident that took place between the Washington Nationals and the San Francisco Giants. The pitcher for the Giants, Hunter Strickland, was facing the superstar hitter from the Nationals, Bryce Harper. The last time these two players faced each other had been a play, in a playoff game three seasons ago when Bryce Harper launched a home run off of pitcher Strickland. Now there was something about that home run, its timing and perhaps Harper's admiration and celebration of it that stuck in pitcher Strickland's craw. It pushed his button. And he never forgot. So the next time the two face each other, three years later, Hunter Strickland made sure that Bryce Harper knew that he hadn't forgotten. So he drilled the, the hitter with a 98 mile per hour fastball. Something about that 98 mile per hour fastball drilled into his right hip pushed Bryce Harper's button. 
And before he knew it, he was charging the mound, throwing his helmet, and engaging in a slugfest with the pitcher. Benches cleared, and we had ourselves a good old Donnybrook, a time-honored baseball tradition. There is nothing like getting your button pushed. We all have a button, don't we? And probably more than one. We all have that spot, that nerve, that peeve in our psyche that all it takes is for someone to put their finger on it and watch out. Not that we're a slug face waiting for it to happen, but we all are vulnerable to those little things that a person can do to send us into orbit or into a rage or into a silent brooding that can last years. Some of us have particular people who have earned an advanced degree in pushing our buttons. I don't know what it is about that guy, we say, but he really pushes my button. Sometimes it takes a particular person doing a particular thing to, that pushes this particular button, and before we knew it, before we know it, our blood pressure rises, and it takes days for it to come back down again. If you have listened to me preach for any length of time, you know how much I loved and admired my father, but he also had a way sometimes of pushing my button. And there was no better place for this to happen than on the golf course. Now, I'm a pretty bad golfer, and if there was anyone as bad or worse than me, it was my father. I came by my game honestly, but it never failed that when we played together, he felt it his fatherly duty to give me some advice, some golf tips, little suggestions on how to improve my game or why I just hit the ball in the water. Talk about the blind leading the blind. And of course, every little tip made me madder and madder, which made me worse and worse, and I finally realized it dawned on me that this was his whole strategy from the very beginning. It was his best chance of winning, and it usually worked. You know, you know, you, you might want to just adjust your grip just a little. Here, let, let me show you. You, you might want to check your stance, you know. Let me show you how to stand in front of a golf ball. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> he knew exactly where my button was, and he pushed it repeatedly. So we have these little raw nerves scattered about our souls and psyches, and for reasons far beyond our ability to understand, they can, when touched, set us off into directions and behaviors of which we are seldom proud. So set this reality against the words that I just read to you from the Apostle Paul. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, be associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but give thought to what is noble in the sight of all. And if it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, when I think of the buttons I have, 
And when I think of how they can send me into my own little Donny Brooks with myself and with others, when I think of how easy it is for me to write people off or seethe with anger or grow impatient with that person who has just put his finger square on my little button and then hear from the Apostle Paul of this life that Jesus calls me into, this life of blessing, not cursing, living in harmony, not claiming to be wiser than I am, not repaying anyone evil for evil, not avenging, living peaceably with all. I feel this need when I hear these words to throw up my hands and say, that's just not gonna happen. There's just too many buttons here. There's too many unresolved issues, too many pet peeves, too many blind spots, too short of a temper, too many insecurities. And I wonder if you might feel the same way. How is that gonna work? Because I've got too much stuff. I got too many buttons. And and I wonder if that isn't where Pentecost comes in. We have this day in the Christian calendar that we celebrate just around the time when people are checking out for the summer and it's this strange day, kind of the underappreciated day, when we celebrate this strange day when the disciples, no strangers to unresolved issues themselves and buttons themselves, who were together in one place, and someone called the Holy Spirit filled their room and filled their souls and miraculously changed them such that they were able to become, strangely enough, different people with different attitudes and different ways of engaging and different ways of relating to the world. The Holy Spirit didn't make them into perfect people by any stretch of the imagination, but she was a spirit who seeped into the cracks of their souls and brought healing to some of their raw nerves and empowered them to live less under the control of their buttons and led them to speak literally in a new way to the world. Pentecost was this birth of a new community of souls who were being shaped and healed and transformed by the Holy Spirit to become people who were less enslaved by their baggage, their stuff, their buttons, their anger, their emotions, their unresolved issues, and instead were freed and empowered by the Holy Spirit to become a way of life, a new way of life for a world hungering for a new way of life. Do not judge. Forgive 70 times 7. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Live peaceably with all. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. And Pentecost is here to say that we cannot do this. We cannot do this. We cannot do this except by the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do this except by the daily indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives whose work it is to heal those raw nerves, to sort through the baggage, to temper the unbridled, unchecked, and unhealthy emotion, to wipe clean the guilt, and to free us from the tightly held anger and bitterness of our lives. That's how God heals the world. God heals the world through his people. God heals the world one person at a time. He heals you and me so that we can begin healing the world by living like healed or healing people. And so every day, 
now that we know about Pentecost, every day it is this conversation with the Holy Spirit, and it's this conversation with asking, what is the healing? Oh Lord, what is the healing that you have for me today? What must I do to keep my buttons from being pushed? Should I see a therapist? Should I stop drinking? Should I write that letter, long due letter of apology? Should I balance out my life? Should I live with less stress? Should I take more vacations? Should I let you finally forgive me? Should I go and serve the poor? We each have our own buttons and we each have our own wounds and we all have this sweet person of the Holy Spirit yearning to dwell inside and move us into healing ways. For most of his life and certainly his entire adult life, C.S. Lewis carried with him the unhealed wound the unresolved bitterness toward a headmaster of the school where he attended as a child. The man was a tyrant, mentally unstable, cruel, vindictive headmaster who found it his pleasure to beat, whip, and humiliate his students, including the young C.S. Lewis. It was a season of his education and life he could never quite get over, but he didn't give up. He knew it meant, now that he had become a Christian, he knew that it meant that the Holy Spirit just had more work to do in him. And every time he thought he had forgiven the long dead headmaster, he realized he hadn't. So every day it was, Holy Spirit, dwell within and heal me and cause me to forgive. And it wasn't until the last summer of his life, 50 years later, when he could finally write a friend and say, do you know only a few weeks ago I realized suddenly that I had at last forgiven the cruel schoolmaster who has so darkened my childhood. I've been trying to do it for years and like you, each time I thought I'd done it, I found though after a week or so, after I had tried to do it, that all of that attempt was for rye. But this time I feel certainly that it is the real thing. And like learning to swim or ride a bicycle, the moment it does happen it seems so easy and you wonder why on earth you didn't do it years ago. We all have our buttons. We all have our wounds, our resentments, our bitternesses, our raw nerves. Come Holy Spirit, I cannot do this on my own. I cannot heal myself. I cannot change unless you change me. I've told this story to you before, but it was a few years ago, so I'm going to tell it to you again. A couple of days before my college graduation, a few of us soon-to-be graduates had decided to drive down to Pittsburgh. We, I went to school in Pennsylvania to see the Pittsburgh Pirates play. And we invited to go with us a fellow by the name of Chuck Donnelly, who was the custodian for the dormitory where we lived. Chuck had become over the years a very good friend to us, kind of sort of like a dad away from home. And Chuck himself was a grandfather and we told him to bring along, side, bring along with him his seven-year-old grandson to join us for this baseball game down in Pittsburgh. 
And we arranged a time and where we would pick them up and he and his grandson would go with us as we headed down for the game. Well, as these things sometimes go, we kind of, plans kind of fell through at the last moment and fewer and fewer people could go. And at the end of the whole thing, we decided to bag the baseball trip. Well, it was my responsibility to tell Chuck, but I didn't, forgot completely. And there Chuck sat at home with his eagerly awaiting grandson and nobody came, nobody showed, and the grandson was crushed. Note to self, never crush a grandfather's grandson. The next day before graduation, the day before graduation, I ran into Chuck on the campus and he laid into me, ripped me up one side and down the other quite justifiably. I had pushed his button. I had hurt his flesh and blood. He questioned whether I learned anything decent while in my four years of school, wondered out loud if why I was even going into the ministry. I never felt so small. And after Chuck let loose his last invective, we turned and walked away from each other, and I realized that that was the last time I was going to see him. And those were the last words I was gonna hear from my friend. Anger, hurt, bitterness. I was graduating the next day and off for the rest of my life. So the next day came and we graduated and we hugged our friends and we made our way to our rooms and we packed up our last things and we got ready to leave. And as I'm packing away my last few things, who knocks on the door but Chuck? And in his hands, a graduation gift. And in his eyes, big crocodile tears. I couldn't live with myself, he said, if those were the last words you heard from me. I will miss you like a son. And I have already forgotten what happened. For some, it takes 50 years. And for others, it takes 50 hours. Every button has its time. Never though, never though, without the healing power of the Holy Spirit, for this is Pentecost.
So this morning we have gathered here a bunch of buttons. This morning we have gathered here people who have either fresh or old wounds, long carried bitternesses. Today we have gathered here human beings who have been bruised and dinged by life. And here we have this table. And here we have our Lord and Savior Jesus who hosts this table. And here we have the presence of the Holy Spirit who invites us to come, to come from all those places we've been with all those bruises and wounds that we carry, invites us to come to this table and find here healing, find here the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit, find here the balm in Gilead, find here the love of our Savior who accepts us as we are, fills us with his power, and seeks to make us more into what he always wanted us to be. For this is the power of the Holy Spirit. So come to this table, not with airs, not with masks, not with pretending to be something that you're not. Just come as you are. And find here the loving embrace of our Savior, the welcome embrace of the Holy Spirit, and the power to become something more of who you are. Here are the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as I delivered by the Apostle Paul. I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat of this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. When you drink it, remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again. And he will come again. Let us pray. Oh Lord, chipped and cracked as we are, we pray that your Holy Spirit will flood in this day, that we may become more of what you intend for us to be, that we would become more of ourselves as you have created us in your image. Surround us with the garment of your grace, that we may understand the intimacy of your love in all those corners of our world and our life. May we receive these gifts, these common gifts, as sacred, sacred gifts for our souls, that we may find you once again dwelling within us. All this we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, 
and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took bread.
Jesus said, come unto me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and gentle of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. I am the bread of life, says the Lord. Those who believe in me shall never hunger. Those who come to me shall never thirst. Those who come to me I will in no way cast out. For blessed are those who do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. After supper, Jesus took the cup.
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And he who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his Son to be the worthy sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. For no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Thank you that in this sacrament you assure us of your goodness and love. Accept our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving and help us to grow in love and obedience that we may serve you in the world and finally be brought to that table where all your saints feast with you forever. In your son's name we pray, amen.
love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.